Hey everyone, it's Jillian from Snack Time. We are so excited to chat with our renal dietitian today to learn about how her role impacts patient outcomes and the healthcare team. We're also going to learn about how to support someone going through renal treatment and even learn about how nutrition can impact your kidneys. But first, Emma, can you tell us what the kidneys do? Sure. So our kidneys play a super important role with keeping our bodies in balance. They most importantly remove waste and toxins and excess water from the bloodstream, which is carried out by your body's urine. They also help to make hormones that produce red blood cells and they turn vitamin D into its active form. So it's utilized utilized by the body. When your kidneys don't work, you either need to decrease the amount of waste and toxins um, and nutrients that your kidneys normally filter through so that your kidneys don't have to work so hard, or you need a machine to do it for you, and that is what dialysis is. So let's hear more about the kidneys and being a renal dietitian from our guest, Vicki. Simple Mills makes delicious snacks with purposeful ingredients that fill you up but never slow you down. They make delicious crackers from almond flour and cookies and snack bars with nut and seed flours with just that right amount of sweetness. Get your Simple Mills snacks and baking mixes at a retailer near you. Our next speaker, we knew she needed to be on season three because when we asked her what inspires her to do what she does every day, she said, prevention is primary, but able to provide a little motivation and knowledge to someone makes my day. We knew we had to have her on because our whole focus of our previous episodes and forever our future episodes is to create motivation and education for our community as a whole. So everybody, please welcome Vicki. Vicki, I'm so excited. We're so excited to have you on. It's so nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you too. Thank you for having me. Will you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became an RD? I know it's a crazy wild journey that kind of led you to a few different states. Yes, yes. So growing up, didn't even know there was this career that I can choose. You know, you go to college, you have a major in mind, and then you sit in your first nutrition class because it's interesting. And I'm like, oh, you could be a dietitian. Um, So I'm originally from New York, grew up there. I attended NYU there, got my bachelor's, my master's, did my internship. Um, I was hired straight out from my internship when I was completed uh, in the hospital. So I did a few years there. And then I decided um, I needed a change of scenery. So I moved to sunny Hawaii. (laughs) Um, And there I met actually my husband, Um, and, um, that was the beginning of my journey. So it was a good move on my end, um, did lots of clinical work, you know, inpatient acute care, ICU did, I had opportunities to do outpatient, um, weight management, diabetes education classes, and you name it, I've probably done it. Um, my husband is in the army, so we get to move around a lot. And being that it could be a good thing and a bad thing. Um, I fortunately didn't have trouble looking for any jobs. Every time we moved, it was a matter of finding a job that I would enjoy um, doing. So um, again, I am so fortunate and so grateful to have had all the opportunities I've had. Um, You know, I've 
again, I've done almost every aspect of our, of our profession, it seems like. Um, so I've, you know, been doing a lot of counseling for disease states, of course, um, but my passion really lies within prevention, like you've mentioned earlier. Um, I think that's why I really got into this field in the first place, because I want to help prevent, you know, I want to help lead people into um, healthier lifestyles rather than wait until we have to fix something. Um, so I do, we do have uh, twin daughters. Um, they are 12. They actually just turned 12. <laughs> so I've always been told that, you know, how do you do it? How do they, you know, why are they so healthy and eat so healthy? I don't have picky kids at all. <laughs> I don't know if it's genetics, if it's just the way they watched. Um, but, you know, I think that my profession really led into my personal life as well to kind of help my family um, be healthy and show an example and lead an example. Just talking about your journey resonates with so many things that Emma and I have talked about in previous episodes, especially with the idea of like the prevention and the treatment side of healthcare. Yep. Obviously, we're in the healthcare field. We fully understand the treatment side of healthcare and do not want to ever you know, belittle its value, uh, but we really do have the passion, the prevention side of healthcare. So to prevent things, you know, from starting in the first place or prevent things from getting worse. And I think that's a huge area of opportunity that our, not just our field, but our communities, our world, like the bigger picture really has started to hone in on, but hasn't quite solidified the power of prevention just yet. Have you noticed a difference in your field based upon your location? geographically from like the treatment and the prevention side of healthcare? Have you noticed a difference wherever you've been? I would say there are some states where um, obesity is more prevalent. Um, so though in those areas, in those states, I should say, um, if prevention becomes very, very minimal because I think you know, it just becomes a culture in that state where it's okay to be a certain size or it's okay to eat this way and wait until you get official diagnosis of whatever it may be, you know, diabetes, hypertension, high blood pressure, and then we'll fix it with surgery and, you know, we'll go on extreme dieting and then, and then maybe we'll refer you to the dietitian to do something about it. Um, but I think as the years gone on um, in our profession that I feel like, okay, it's becoming more, um, I think people, some medical professionals are becoming more aware that how important we are, how important it is to get their patient to see RD right away. You know, let's, let's not wait until they are officially diagnosed with diabetes. You know, if they are kind of hovering at the borderline, let's go get them to see someone. Now it will, of course, ultimately go down to the patient, the client themselves, if they want the help, you know, we know that we can't push someone to change. I mean, that's something in the, at the end of the day, they need to do it on their own. So I would say it's more the time as the time goes on now, um, especially during this time with the whole COVID, you know, um, I know obesity is a big deal about that, um, being more, um, you know, being more of an issue, um, getting COVID and trying to overcome that, trying to prevent that. So um, I think it's just a matter of time. <laughs> I think it's becoming more important for us. Absolutely. I hear you. 
I I agree that as time goes on, unfortunately, it only took a pandemic for more of our society to recognize the importance of prevention. But I hope we can look at it as a silver lining where it did open up more eyes and maybe get more boots on the ground to share Mm -hmm. the importance and the impact that prevention can have. And so talking now about your specific, you know, career and day to day, what does a typical day look like for you? You're a busy mom, you're a dietitian, you know, you want to take care of yourself as well. What does a typical day look like? So typical day now that my girls are more independent, (laughs) but still need mommy. (laughs) Um, I'm up probably by 530 in the morning. I go to the gym, get my workout in before anything. Um, cause that's important to me. Um, I didn't even used to want to wake up that early and work out, but as time goes on, that's the only time I can fit it in. The only time I have enough energy to fit it in. Um, so that's my schedule now rush home, get the girls to school, get to work myself. Uh, I am currently a kidney dietitian at a outpatient dialysis center. Um, a new area for me, a newer area for me. I'm learning a whole ton. Um, didn't realize I would enjoy it so much, but um, of course it's not more prevention, but to assist with you know uh, our current dialysis patients, trying to get through the treatments, trying to prolong their life or even get them into transplant. Um, so that there's always hope. You know, I know a lot of people think dialysis is the end all and that's it. Um, you know, it is, it is a lot on them. I, and I tell the patients myself, I'm like, you guys have a lot on you. Um, you know, coming to treatments three times a week, sitting in a chair four hours a day, you know, that's, that's a lot, you know, I commend them. So, you know, just trying to help them, um, not necessarily enjoy their treatment time, but at least, you know, have a smiling face, open ears, if they just need to chat, you know, sometimes it's not just about education in an outpatient setting. Um, they've heard it all multiple times. Um, so just sometimes letting it air and let just let them chit chat with you and getting to know them or them getting to know you plays a big part. For our audience um, who haven't learned as much about the kidneys and um, renal disease and kidney disease, can you give some clarifications for um, like what is dialysis and, and how that works? And then maybe, you know, why, why our kidneys are so important for our body. (laughs) So kidneys, you know, we need them. We have two, um, but we can survive with one. Um, kidneys is our filter for our bodies. You know, they filter out all the bad stuff. They kind of help our levels of, um, sodium, calcium, you know, playing a whole part with the parathyroid hormone. It kind of keeps everything in balance. Our fluid, you know, having us go to the uh, restroom using the bathroom is a big deal. Um, when, you know, the unfortunate thing I have to say is when someone is diagnosed with either stage two or three kidney disease, unfortunately, you know, they don't see anyone further than the nephrologist um, or even just their primary doctor. Um, and we see that a lot um, where there's no um, diet education involved with it to help prevent even stage four or stage five and leading to end-stage renal disease. So, um, and then they get to you when they get on the dialysis chair and that's when we have to kind of bombard them. You know, you have to do this and you have to not eat this anymore. And, it, and again, it's a lot um, for one person to kind of absorb. 
the information and to make all those changes even um even i when i educated i'm like how how am i supposed to eat <laughs> what am i supposed to do um you know i don't think we learn about kidneys and what it's for really <laughs> we know it's there but we don't know what it's for um so i think it's important you know to kind of um educate that in the beginning even when there is some sort of um malfunction to it or just a little bit of kidney function failure um, to start kind of, you know, let's watch out for the sodium, be more careful with fluids, um, you know, and then kind of monitor with lab work um, to kind of encourage them to follow up with their physicians, because how many of us do not follow up with doctors, really? I mean, um, unless someone makes you go. So, you know, that's, I think that's all extremely, extremely important. Um, I do telehealth on the side, so I do get to see that part um, if a client does request me, because I make sure I put that on my on my um, personal page where, you know, I have experience with the kidneys. So I have seen a few clients where, you know, they are indeed stage two and three, and they are very adamant about reversing it. And so um, there's hope, <laughs> but it's just to get the information out there. That's huge. I think that's awesome that you promote it yourself. You're like, hey, look, I do this because one, in our industry, you never know who's going to come across your page or your information. And two, it's a safe space that if the doctor or provider, let's just say, didn't refer them to a dietitian, they know that that actually can be a really solid solution to help them with their future, whether or not they're able to reverse it. So many different factors come into play here. Um, but being able to actually work with you to help maybe the maintenance or prevent things from getting worse. So that's huge. Uh, but I wanted to actually go back for a second because I know you did mention a lot of your duties as a kidney dietitian, as a renal dietitian as a whole. Obviously you're checking blood values, you're asking, you're, you're communicating with patients directly. But now if, say if there is a RD to be listening to this podcast, can you explain what your role is as a kidney dietitian that would be different than say another clinical dietitian? Oh yes, I'm so glad you asked this question because if someone had told me years and years ago, I may have I may have done this a long time ago. Um, because I think as dietitians, we look at being a kidney dietitian, we're like, oh no, we don't want to do that. You know, it's it's depressing. You know, it's a lot of education. It, it may not be the realm where we can help a client or a patient. Um, so yes, so we do monthly nutrition lab panels and we do hand them out to all our patients. We talk with them to see any outliers, you know, to, to any make any adjustments to the diets if needed. Um, but we actually do med adjustments. <laughs> we actually get to play with medicine. <laughs> um, so we deal a lot with IV vitamin D and we do um, calcitriol, you know, Sensopar, all these other uh, medications that we actually do not even learn in school or even in my internship, never touched upon it. Um, so when I said I started this, this path in our career, I was bombarded with information. I felt like I was in college again. I had to read books. I had to look things up. I wrote things down on stickies um, just to know how to adjust um, and see, you know, kind of, again, that balance, right? Because your kidneys are not working 100%. Um, so now we have to play with the medication adjustments to help balance out 
the sodium, uh, the, I'm sorry, not the sodium, the calcium, the PTH levels, um, your phosphorus levels. So they all kind of play a part with each other um, aside from, you know, yes, the patient does have to monitor their diet, of course, you know, it's, it does come down to that, but, you know, most of them will need the medications to actually assist with, with keeping that balance. So I wish someone told me that earlier, because I feel like an, a very important part of the team. I am part of the professional team. The, the nephrologists all look to the dietitian, what should we do? And they okay it. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Even the nurses, the patients, they're all like, okay, what are we doing now? Okay, good. <laughs> Done. <laughs> that is so amazing. And to be in, on a healthcare team that you're so valued and respected in, in any role, I mean, even if somebody's not a dietitian, just to be in a role where you're respected and um, feel valued is, makes, work, makes work fun, really. Absolutely. Um, when, uh, if we... If you think of some like tips and tricks, if our listeners have loved ones, or even if themselves are going to maybe struggle or have struggled with, you know, like you said, stage two and stage three, um, even, even further, what are some tips and tricks that you give um, to clients and then to loved ones on how to help support them through treatment? I would say um, once treatment hits, you know, it's tough, you know, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing um, for the patient themselves or, you know, the client, um, you know, it takes a lot out of them. I, I, I describe it as like a workout almost, you know, you sit in that chair, you know, a lot is going on. You may not feel very well during or after, or even the day of um, what the loved one can do is really encourage, maybe help them bring them to the treatments if able, um, you know, be there when they're done um, so that they have a familiar face. Um, and I know that's not always possible, but when you can, um, support them to go to their treatments. <laughs> that in itself is so important. Whatever the prescribed treatment time, day, you know, to have to kind of encourage that patient to, to attend all of them, because that makes a difference alone. You know, you have to attend all your treatments in order to get things running correctly. Um, we've seen where people tend to skip a day here or they kind of get off the chair earlier because they don't feel right or they don't want to. It's too cold. It's raining. We all get it. We don't want to do something when we're not feeling good. Um, but in the, at the end of the day, it's just kind of, you know, doesn't help that balance that I mentioned earlier. So uh, attending all your treatment times, you know, be a support assist them with, you know, food shopping, have meals prepared for them so that they don't have to worry about what am I going to eat? Um, because they may not have an appetite and that's very, very normal, um, where they don't feel like eating or they feel like, oh, this, you know, the meat might taste, um, strange or lack of taste. Um, so just kind of have everything ready for them. So that's one less thing for them to worry about because it is a lot. They have doctor's appointments. They have dialysis chairs to sit in. They have, you know, all these things they need to think about and maybe even finances. Um, so um, just kind of be their support system. I think that's so important what you just talked about, the support system. We often underestimate that in prevention, in healthcare, the support system is so essential. And I really liked what you said about um, making meals as that is something that is so overwhelming. You know, when you get 
your recommendations from your dietitian, that's really overwhelming. If a loved one wanted to make meals for somebody, is there any good um, like cookbooks or online places to find kidney friendly meal recipes to make? Oh, yes. Um, so I work with Davida and Davida, the website itself for patients actually have recipes there. So you can pretty much search for anything you want and it'll have a recipe for you that's kidney friendly. Um, also, the Kidney Foundation has uh, recipes and information as well. Those are great resources. They're definitely reliable ones that we can depend upon at any point. Yes. You can pull it up on your phone, pull it off on your computer, and you know that it's a trusted resource. So if you were to provide a meal for a loved one, even for you yourself as a patient, we know that it is not going to impact all the work that your healthcare team is doing You know, to help your patient outcome. Um, it, it really is inspiring to hear how empowering your position is and I don't want to say the power in like a weird way but how like the power that you really have on this patient's outcome I mean any dietitian right whatever we do we know we're having a solid impact on that patient outcome but you really debunked you know the myth and the stigma of what a real dietitian can do from maybe I don't know where these myths came from in our undergraduate courses or the internship, <laughs> but it really is so cool to hear what you do and that your impact and your value and your, you know, thought process is so highly respected in something that is so serious. Like at the yeah. end of the day, you know, kidney disease is no joke. It's so badass of what you get to do. So <laughs> this is awesome. Your girls must look up to you and be like, my mom's so cool. Speaking of the prevention side, you know. Yeah. It's cool. I don't know if you know this or not, but Emma and I are dietitians and we're also personal trainers. And so we love the idea of the prevention side of healthcare with you're at the gym 6 a.m. every day, ready to kick, kick booty. And so um, we love that you also understand and, and kind of have the like-mindedness when it comes to the prevention side of healthcare. And so something that we wanted to ask you and, and the topic that we wanted to bring up is stuff that we see in social media all the time, which I'm sure you come across as well, are you just scroll through Instagram and you see 12 different things about how to take care of your body. And so we see all these like detox, you know, teas, pills, get rid of these toxins. And so can you share with us, I'm sure you're so frustrated seeing some of them, but in terms of like what the kidneys actually do and where some of these products may or may not actually help somebody? Well, that detox question, that's a common question. You know, someone's always, you know, before they want to um, go on a diet, they always want to detox their liver or detox everything and clean out the system. It is frustrating. <laughs> Even friends that I know that, you know, are, are health coaches or whatever they may be called, <laughs> are they selling supplements? Um, I just keep my mouth shut unless I'm asked. Um, but your body is an amazing thing. It can help you, you know, it, it adjusts to help you survive really. Um, so I, that's how I would say it, you know, I'm like, you do not need the products to flush out your system because that's what your kidney does. What that's what your liver does. You know, who knows what's in the products besides whatever they're advertising, what if there was another substance in there that can be harmful for you in the long run and that you don't even know? Um, so I, you know, I never promote those. I, I kind of just say, please stay away from those. Drink water. <laughs> um, how about we eat some fresh food um, instead of processed foods? 
Let's, you know, cut down on the salt intake. Um, let's just start from scratch. You know, I, I rather would promote that um, versus, you know, buying an, another powder form or pill that you may take so that you can go use the bathroom <laughs> and you might get dehydrated. Um, you might even land up in the hospital. So, um, and I've actually had patients in a hospital tell me what they've done and they're like, never again. So, um, you know, and I'm like, thank you for sharing that because it's almost, it almost gives me confirmation that detox does not work. Um, it acts differently on everybody. It's just like taking a random medication because it's supposed to do something and you don't know anything else about it. Who knows if it works for you? You heard it here first, folks. So important to just kind of recognize and go back to the basics when you were like, ah, drink some water, you know, because our bodies are such strong engines. Like they, they are so much smarter than we think that they are. And we don't give them enough credit for what they really are capable of doing. And so when you are looking, you know, for that quote, quote, reset, Thinking about going back to the basics. Are you staying hydrated? Are you having enough produce? Are you getting, you know, the, those lean proteins, um, healthy fat, quality carbs, starchy carbs too, you know, going back to the basics and really asking yourself, how far have I strayed away from that? And maybe that's really the reset that you need going back to going back to the basics compared to what Joe Schmo may be recommending on social media. Yes. As dietitians in school, we are taught how to help you take care of your body. And I'm sure that there are a million and one products on the internet that we have not even come across. So it's hard for us to make the general statement in terms of like all products are bad because who knows? Like, you know, maybe there is something that can help you, but until there's clinical evidence to show that that one product is gonna actually help you as a human being or that one product actually even has clinical research, it's hard for us to make these blanket, like blanketed, baseline recommendations to say, yeah, all these products are going to help you. But what we can tell you is that there's a plethora of research about water, fruits and veggies, lean produce, you know, like, I mean, lean uh, protein, healthy fats, you know, going back to the basics, there is a plethora of research on that. And so going back to your basics is always our gung-ho, you know, recommendation. Yes. And I think um, a lot of people forget about that too. You know, they're so hung up on what kind of diets out there I should follow. Should I go low carb, high protein, this and that? I'm like, wait, hold on. <laughs> Let's cut out the processed items. Let's, you know, start eating fresh or even frozen frozen vegetables versus canned. Um, let's drink some water, go outside for a walk, you know, just kind of start from scratch and reset your body. Don't use any, you know, pills and all that good stuff that you're going to spend a ton of money on for. I don't know what, um, because is that something you're going to do lifelong? And because that's something I bring up a lot as well. You want to choose something that you can do for life, not for the two months or until summertime. <laughs> yeah, that totally makes sense. That brings me back to your prevention, your motivation, your education, and what things can um, you sustain and everything like that. Transitioning for a second, you have this very amazing career of being a dietitian. You've been a dietitian in many states. You've been a dietitian um, in many different fields. And we have some dietitians or RDs to Bs who are listening. What advice do you have for them for, you know, taking that career path, going into the, um, getting into their major and then into the 
um, their internship, what is something that stands out to you for them? Um, I would say um, learn as much as you can in school and in your internship. Don't shy away from clinical, even if that's not your intention, because I think most dietitians don't become dietitians to work in a hospital. <laughs> I wasn't one, but I would say I learned a lot do, being a clinical dietitian, you know, uh, just seeing a variety because that is probably the only place you will see that where you see a wide variety of diseases, um, just random patients, you learn all your meds. Um, don't shy away from that. Get as much experience from that as possible. And then from there, you can start jumping into things that you may think that you want or don't shy away from any opportunities, really, because you never know. I mean, I've worked at nursing homes, never thought I would want to work at a nursing home, but wound up loving it. I did that for four years. Um, you know, now, like I said, I'm in renal and I've never like that was the last thing on my mind to work in a dialysis center. Even during my internship, I was like, oh, I don't want that. <laughs> um, but here I am and I'm loving it. So um, you never know. Just take a chance. Um, just absorb the information because you can use a lot of it in any aspects of our career. That's a big, a big thing um, to promote is that, you know, just try things and be really, really open-minded to the experiences that you can have. And I'm, I'm really grateful that you are here to share that to everybody today. We like to close out our, I guess, session with a little rapid fire game. It's just easy questions to get to know you a little bit better. The okay. first question is, um, do you prefer sweet or savory foods? Savory. Are you more of a breakfast person or a dinner person? Breakfast, for sure. <laughs> Are you, do you like to order appetizers or desserts more often? Appetizers. Pancakes or waffles? waffles. What about pizza or pasta? Hmm. I'm very picky with pizza since I'm from New York. So I'm going to say pasta. <laughs> totally get it. Totally. <laughs> very fair. Or right, would you say that you lean more towards fruit or veggies? Not saying that one's more important than the other, just your default <laughs> favorites. Um, you know what? Veggies. I often crave that if, especially if I'm away for a while, I, I want a big bowl of salad. <laughs> That definitely happens to me too. Are you a coffee or a tea kind of person? Coffee. Now I have a follow-up question. Hot coffee or iced coffee? Hot. <laughs> Even in the dead summer. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing that you are an athlete, do you like to do more strength, uh, strength training or cardio? So um, I'm sort of a runner. I actually just ran a half yesterday, but I am working on strength <laughs> right now. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That's a whole nother series of questions we have for you. How long, wait, okay. So inner pause, pause. How long have you been a runner? Um, or have probably you after, okay. So I got into running because of my husband being him being in the army, never ran before that never really worked out, you know? Um, don't know how that happened. I don't love running. I, I have a hard time saying I'm a runner. Um, but I really, really got into working out more consistently after my daughters were born. That's awesome. Do you have any aspirations to run any particular races in the future? I hope to run Disney <laughs> now that I'm in Florida. <laughs> I, I did the Disney princess half marathon. Yes. I don't know, 2017, maybe. 
All I could tell you is it is the best experience. I ran it in a tutu. Well, just, with other clothes, tutu on top of my other clothes. Under this. <laughs> 10 out of 10 recommended. It is quite, yeah. you definitely get your 10,000 steps for the day, even though we know that's an arbitrary number, before you even start the race. Just because they have you like, like a mate. It's like walk here, walk there, walk there. Now I need to do it. And I need to get into running just so I just can run that. <laughs> Our last question is, do you like training arms or legs better? Ooh, so I'm stronger on my legs. I'm very weak on my arms, but I do like training my arms because of that. <laughs> I love that. That is awesome. If you, the way to wrap things up that we like to do, if you could give one piece of advice for anybody looking to start a health journey whether it is to be more mindful, whether it is to walk more, what is your favorite piece of advice you give out? I would say behavior versus this is a good food to choose. This is a bad food. I say, let's look at how you view your food, how you eat. Um, I think that is a major part of our, I guess, weight management. Um, that that's what I would say, behavior modification. We love that. We are so grateful you came on, Vicki, to share your story about becoming a dietitian, some key facts that really Jillian and I myth busted about being a kidney dietitian and how awesome it could be and how you have been open to every experience. Um, and that's really shaped you as a dietitian. And for sharing our to our community what the kidneys do and how they are our primary detox system, our powerhouse. And we just need a little bit of water and maybe some colorful foods to, to help us out rather than any other um, fanciness. So we really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. I really, really enjoyed my time here and to chat with you too. Well, that's it team. Thanks so much for joining us today on Snack Time. We hope you had a great snack while listening to this episode and we can't wait until next time. Until then, you can find us on social. You can find our lovely Emma at RD underscore Emma B. And you can find Jillian at eat.train.love.nyc. Be sure to rate and review and subscribe to our podcast and share this episode with your friends and family.